Thank you, worship team. Uh, some of you were here yesterday. Uh, we had a, a sweet time. Uh, these are leftover. Uh, if these are the leftovers, these are beautiful. Um, from uh, Marshall Anderson, we had a memorial service for him, and uh, we celebrated his life. And what an amazing thing it is when you see uh, uh, God use a life, use a life. And he was instrumental and in part of the, the establishing of this church and many different things over the years. And now he has gone home uh, to be with the Lord. And uh, today, I, I, I didn't really know this, but one of the things that came out in his service was he loved Ephesians chapter 2, the first part, and I'm going to be preaching that this morning. So uh, uh, he won't be listening, and if he would, he would go, oh, you're not doing a very good job, uh, because uh, he knows what it is uh, to see perfection now. So um, what we're going to talk about this morning, and it's a passage that I'm drawn to as well, uh, and it's this idea of, as we think about Christmas time and the celebration of Jesus, I think you have to start of what, what's all the fuss about? What, why is it such a big deal? Um, and you really have to go back to, in your mind to picture a world without Jesus, a wor- world without Christ coming. And uh, even before Christ came, there was the hope of Messiah. There was the hope of him coming. And so really, uh, of all our uh, sinful days, there's always been a looking to, a looking forward to Jesus, or a looking back to what he has done, and even now a looking forward to him coming again. It's not just that we consider a world apart from Jesus, but this morning I want to think, I want us to all to consider what our life individually would be without Jesus. And maybe for some of you that's not a stretch because you come here this morning and you say, I haven't trusted in Christ, I haven't uh, bought into the message of the gospel, I'm just here uh, to please my wife or uh, I need some place warm to go on a Sunday morning. If you're here for those reasons, we're glad you're here. Uh, we're glad, we'll hope to see you next week. By the way, next week, uh, prepare your heart. Uh, some of you like order, order to be involved in your life. Uh, next week is our children's uh, week, and there won't be any order. Uh, it'll be uh, uh, beautiful chaos is what it'll be, beautiful chaos. And so uh, come braced for that, okay, braced for that. There'll be uh, mom paparazzi and grandma paparazzi taking pictures, and it, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Um, but we, uh, we come, we come. Uh, either one of two things this morning. We come looking back on the amazing uh, gift of the Savior to us, or we sit in a place where we are in need of the Savior today. Those are the only two places we sit this morning. And uh, as we consider what is all the fuss about, um, I've titled my message, God Enters Our Mess. God enters our mess. And so if you turn to Ephesians chapter 2, we'll uh, look uh, at this passage. Uh, I hope you all love this passage. I hope it all, for all of us, we're drawn to it because of the great picture it gives us of the state of our soul and uh, the gift of God in His Son, Jesus. 
If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. God's word says this, And, and you were dead in, tres- in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in our passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, uh, being rich in mercy uh, because of the great, uh, the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and, and raised up with him and seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that uh, in the coming ages uh, that he might show his immeasurable, immeasurable riches of his grace kindness, and in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not as a result of works. So that no one may boast. But we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. For good works. Which God prepared beforehand. That we should walk in them. God glorify yourself in our time. Change us by your word. Uh, Change our thinking about uh, yourself and your plan and your son Jesus, but also change our thinking about ourselves. God, do your work in us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Look at this passage, and it begins in chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead. You're dead. It looks back. It's uh, this section is coming upon uh, right after chapter one, which speaks of the amazing work of salvation that God did that we couldn't see uh, before the foundation of the earth, uh, predestined, and He sealed us in this amazing work of salvation that we couldn't see. But coming right after that, He points back to the time before Christ, and He says, "And you were dead." And you're dead. Um, have you ever heard, maybe we've said this, maybe I've said this, uh, where we look at the, the sins that we've committed and we say, oh, you know, I, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Uh, or uh, your, your kids uh, do something rebellious and they say, oops. Uh, like it was some accident. Like it caught him off guard. Like, uh, you know, if I really would have thought about it, I really wouldn't have done that. I made a mistake. I, oops, I, I shouldn't have done that. We look at this passage, um, and maybe even we've considered our own sin problem, the things that are wrong in our heart, and we've said, it's kind of like being sick with a cold. It's kind of like, you know, being sick, there's, there's something a little bit wrong with me. Uh, many of you have struggled over the last weeks and prepare yourself, maybe in the weeks to come, with the, the flu season, the, the colds that come. And 
the different things that we always struggle with every year here. It's great living in Tehachapi, isn't it? It's great. Uh, and, and we struggle with that. And yet, uh, we don't consider it uh, life-threatening for the most part. We say, uh, I have a cold. I'll be okay. I have a cold. Sometimes we look at our sin problem like that. Oh, I, I've got a few problems, but I'll get over them in time. And then you look to God's Word. Ephesians chapter 2, that first verse. And what does it say? You are dead in your sins. Dead in your sins. Tell me about your sin problem. Tell me about life without Jesus for you. I want to tell you, it's clear, it's clear that life without Jesus for you is that you are dead spiritually. Dead. Most all of us know what it is to be dead and had a loved one pass away. And there's a, a sense of chaos that comes the, to the end of that one's life most of the time. And there's, there's doctors and nurses and there's ideas and there's care and there's, we got to take care of this right now. And then when someone is pronounced dead, there's a sense of it's over. There's no hope of working on this anymore. There's no hope of solving this problem. And God, as He communicates with us the state of our soul apart from His Son, Jesus, He says, and you were dead. You were dead. Um, and that's our mess, right? That's our mess. I, 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 even that's an in. Uh, insufficient way to communicate. It's not just our mess that we've made. It's that we are, uh, apart from Christ, we are dead to God. We are spiritually dead. We have no hope of bailing ourselves out. We have no hope of correction because there's a deadness in our soul. And, and he even describes not just that we are dead, but that he describes where that deadness came from. It goes on to say we're dead in the trespasses and sins. And I want to say it this way. In your trespasses and sins, the ones that you've committed, uh, many times we do this as well. And there there is a theological connection to this. But um, a lot of times we will act poorly. We'll act poorly. We will sin with our words or with our actions. And then we, we'll be confronted with that. And you say, oh, I know. I shouldn't have let that happen. It, it reminds me of my dad. It reminds me the way my mom treated me. When, and and you, you, I remember it in my grandfather as well. And immediately we go back to this idea that somehow it was our parents or our grandparents' fault. But this passage isn't talking about the sins of our grandparents. He connects the deadness of ourselves spiritually to our sins that we have committed to in the trespasses and sins that we have done. Uh, Paul goes to great lengths. He uses two words and to kind of get, uh, a lot of times we use one word to describe something, but when we want to make a point and make it, we start adding words to it so it gives a bigger picture. That's what he does in this with trespasses and sins. He uses words that describe both a wandering but also a willful going outside of God, what he has said. 
a committing of sins, this idea of rejecting what God has said for our own way. One writer says it like this, defines it like this, a conscious and deliberate false steps. And those conscious and deliberate false steps that we have taken has caused a deadness to be a part of us, that we are dead spiritually to God. We'll come back to this, but uh, we, are not to be, we are not created to be dead to God. We're created for relationship with God, to be his child, to be his sons and daughters. That was, that's what we are created for. And so uh, as we look at this wonderful passage, we see you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And then he goes on to say, in which you once walked. This word walk, and Paul loves this word. He's going to come back to it at the end of our passage. It's this idea of a course of life. It wasn't just a day that we had sinned. It wasn't just a scene of our life where something bad happened. It was the course of our life. It was the way we walked. It was the, the things that we did. Uh, we like to think that uh, we can keep life in a column, right? We can uh, live well here, but at work we can uh, kind of do whatever we want, but we can separate those two. And, and we all know, if we'd be honest with ourselves, that even as I talked with the kids, what, what's going on inside comes out on the outside, right? comes out in words and actions and the way we treat people and the values that we have, the things that we prioritize. And so uh, it's not just that we had slipped and we had done a few things, but it was our whole form of life. The day-to-day life we lived was marked by this uh, sins and trespasses that we consciously and deliberately had done. If it, you know, this, this is one of those passages that uh, one side or the other, it, uh, as it's describing what's bad, it just continues to get worse. But there's also a richness on the other side of that, that that which is good is greater than how bad uh, that which is bad is. And so we look at this passage, we see that it's our whole form of life, but also um, it, as we're walking in this middle of verse 2, it says, following the course of this world, following the course of this world. It's not that it's unusual to be lost and dead in our sins and trespasses. In fact, that marks the world as well, that the world as well is just like this. And so for us to have this course of life, it's not unusual in a world that also is perishing, is also marked by this deadness that comes from sin. The whole world that we live in is dead also, and we're conformed to it as we walk in its ways. Both us and the world, apart from Jesus, it says this at the end of verse 2, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. This uh, alludes to the idea that we have an enemy. He, he is at work. He is alive and well. And as we are lost in our sins, as we continue to walk in them, as we go along with the world and its ways, 
We are following after him. And, and this is where we, we fight against it. We, we can never mark a time. And, and as us as trying to be good people, we say, I never was a follower of the enemy. I never was a follower of Satan. The scripture tells us different. It says that as we walked in, in the ways of both for ourselves and the ways of this world, that we are following after the one who is against the Savior. Well, uh, it continues. Um, in verse 3, it says, Among whom we also lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. As we, we consider why we do the things that we do, we were following after our own heart, our own personality, our own upbringing. Uh, and what, what's the problem with that? You know, I, I realize I don't want to get too uh, close to home here. I just want to guard. This is really touchy at a time like this. I don't know if any of you um, watch um, Hallmark movies. I don't know if any of you do. I don't know for certain. Probably don't. Probably don't, right? Uh, and uh, in the midst of these sentimental movies, they'll say things like, just follow your heart. Follow your dreams. And if you look at a passage like that, you say, you say, well, if if I'm the problem in the deadness of my sins and I live in a world that's also lost, there's I don't want to follow my own dreams. I want to have a better dream. I don't want to follow my sinful heart because what's going to happen is bad stuff. Uh, I, I won't look for testimony this morning of where we followed our heart, and our heart led us in a bad direction, and it blew up in our face. I want to tell you that as we look at this, we realize that, that the passions that drive us, the things that, uh, that we want in our body, many times, many times are the same things that brought, brought spiritual death to our life. And as a conclusion, uh, to where this all ends up for us in verse 3 at the end. It says, we are by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Children of wrath. When you think of wrath, you, you want to ask the question. It's anger, and it's anger. Well, whose anger? How does this all work out? And I want to tell you, it's the anger of God. It's the anger of God. You, you realize that God uh, is angry is angry and you say well he's angry yeah he's loving but for those who reject for those who will live live those who continue in sin there's a day coming of his wrath and so he identifies them as children of wrath and as i even say children of wrath you're saying well i i don't want to be a child of wrath i want to be a child of god and i want to tell you this that's what you were designed for that's what you were created for to be a child of God, yet, because of our sins and trespasses, because of the deadness of our own soul, because of following what, whatever's going on in this world and being a part of that, guess what happens? We become children of wrath instead of children of God. Right now is why we need a Savior. Why we need a Savior. 
You're stuck. You're stuck. Uh, as we look at this theologically, I'll keep it real simple for you. What can dead people do? Not much. <laughs> right? I, I, I want you to get that. It's very important for you to get it. Because this is why we need a Savior. This is why we need Jesus. And this is why it's not just a good thing to celebrate Jesus. It's this idea of expectation. It's this picture of need. It's this idea that as someone would mention the name of Jesus, you'd go, that's my Savior. That's the one I've needed. That's the the one that I could not live without. His name is Jesus. As you look at our passage, and I I won't go into great detail, um, that was our mess. That was our deadness to God. As you look at verse 4, you see God's entrance into our mess. His willingness to uh, enter it. And not just His willingness, but His unwillingness to let us remain in the deadness of our soul. You think about that, you think, uh, well, when something's dead, it's just over, it's done, it's time to move on. God did not move on. He did not. And you look at at verse 4, and it's one of those passages that hinges, that that changes course immediately. It's something where as God enters in, it it. The flow is going downhill and quickly changes everything. But God, 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 is that that he wants to interject. There's this, this idea that God looks at the mess that we have created, the, the course that we had taken. And in verse 4, he says, I enter into that to change history. It says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, it, it's this lavish upon lavish, it's this rich upon rich, it, it's this uh, providing, uh, because of his own goodness, something that we desperately needed and did not deserve. It says, but God, being rich in mercy, being rich in mercy, and great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, and then it says this, made us alive. Made us alive. Mark that. That's, that's the whole deal right there. He goes over and he even goes back to the deadness of our own souls, and he says, while we were dead, while we were stuck in our sins, while we were still dead, he made us alive. He made us alive which we could not do on our own. I want to I say this, and I want us to underline it and highlight it in our own hearts, is that we needed Jesus. We needed Jesus. The plan of the Father worked out in the Son for us, driven by the Father's love for us. He made us alive together with Christ. Because of our relationship with Christ, because of Christ's resurrection, right? That he made us alive together with Christ. 
He brought us out of the deadness uh, of our relationship with Him to a, a live relationship with Him. God was uh, rich in mercy. Uh, he was a great lover of us. So He made us alive with Christ. Paul belabors and God belabors for us because um, we're all self-righteous Pharisees, right? Just so we would know, right? Just so we would know. He, he stops in the midst of this beautiful thing and he says, I want you to remember you're dead. End of verse 5, by grace you have been saved. By grace, it's not because of your works. He, he goes on to say this. He's raised us up and seated with us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He speaks of the riches that we have in Him. Verse 7, so that in the coming ages He might show immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. He took us from being dead and I would say bankrupt as well to now pouring out riches as relationship with the Son and the the heir and, and, and all the, the inheritance that we receive. He makes us rich out of his riches. But he says this, he wants us to know, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. When you see that gift of God, you realize that, that this is true, that uh, gifts are not earned. Gifts are given and received. And, and it's not because you were great that you received the gift. It was because the giver was gracious and rich to you. And so we're fixated. We realize that God enters into our mess. And how he enters is with his own rich mercy and his own work of his son Jesus on the cross. And as he enters our mess, he did for us what we could not and would not have done on our own. The gift of God. The gift of God. So it, just to say it this way, why, what's all the fuss? The fuss is that we needed him. We needed him. And so forever, forever, we will look back to the time of the entrance of Jesus and what he has done. We will have forever look upon that as the when everything changed. And so we'll celebrate. I want to say this, verse 10 is kind of a conclusion that I would just say different steps. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Uh, what you get the picture here is this, that we are dead. We've been made alive. Okay. And verse 10 says, we are his workmanship. Uh, he built us this way. He made us this way or even in context, remade us this way. We are created in Christ Jesus. We are created for what? We are created for good works, right? Um, does it make sense that God would bring us out of the deadness of our sins and make us alive with Christ, and then we would go back to the dead works of sin that we used to do? That doesn't make sense, right? Um, and, and by the way, uh, for those of you who have trusted in Christ, what does it feel like when you sin again? It feels great, huh? 
Maybe, uh, maybe for some of you here, uh, you, you struggled with, uh, you know, you came out of a, a, a life where you were perverse in your speech and your mouth was foul. And, and when those words come out of your mouth as a believer, you just go, man, I still feel awesome. You don't, do you? Feel like trash, right? Maybe it was perversion and you go back to that and, and maybe it was lying and stealing. Maybe it was being petty and gossiping. And, and, and how does that feel? How does that feel? And you say, oh, it just feels terrible. You know why? It's not what you were created for. But we are, are His workmanship. We are created for a purpose. And I want to tell you, in the, in the opposite way, when we serve the Lord, there's a thrill there that, that, that matches no other. Why? Because we are doing what we are created for in Christ Jesus. So as you look at this, we realize that there's these different steps. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. I think it's interesting because that same plan, uh, when we were dead in our sins, he, His plan brought us out of this deadness of sin. He used the plan of His Son to alter our plan, but as he planned this, he also has a plan for our days ahead. And it, it, by the way, it's his plan, not yours. Uh, some of us have grand plans that don't happen to line up with the plan of God. And I just want to say this, his plan is better. His plan is better. I'm pushing to a point, though, that, that I feel is very important. There's this new life that He's given us and there's new things to do and we're created for these. These are good works. They're prepared by God. And it says that we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. How did you used to walk? How did you? What was the course of your life before? We've already talked over it, haven't we? It was... You were part of this perishing world. That, that our walk was just like those who are perishing. That was the course of our life. The course of our life shown a deadness to God. But now, but now because of God's great mercy for us, His rich mercy. He's made us alive with Christ, but He's not just made us alive. He has given us purpose and He's given us things to do. And ways to do them. He, he's given us a, a plan. And in that, I want to tell you, we should walk in them. New course of life. Different course of life. I want to tell you that what God desires to do in your life is not just save you from your sins, but change you in such a way that your whole course of life is different. That the sins that you once walked in would be... Uh, part of the past and that he would chart a new course for you and this life this new form of life will be walking with christ and not walking in the flesh not walking in the sinful world you might ask the question what's all the fuss about i want to tell you it's about the the savior jesus the one who saves us from the deadness of our own sin and because of this we should celebrate jesus what should we celebrate his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, he's coming again. 
please join with me. God, I ask that you would remind us of the reason that we celebrate Jesus is because of the deadness of our own sin. We were lost without him. And personally, uh, God, as we consider the own, our own depth of need, um, that we can also rejoice at your loving plan, that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus. God, do your work in us. Help us not to forget. Help us to remind one another the reason we celebrate is because we have a Savior, a Savior that saved us from our sins. God, we rejoice. We thank you for your kindness to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming today. We'll see you again next week. Brace yourselves. Brace yourselves.